This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Defense Information Systems Agency is taking a hard look at its budget and program plans over the next year. Agency officials say they want to make sure they're making the right investments, especially as flat defense budgets loom on the horizon. For the latest, we're joined now by Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday, who's been covering the DISA budget, and he joins us now. Hey, Justin. Hey, Jared. What do we know so far about the the review that DISA is working on as far as its budget goes? Right. It's called the uh, Strategic Program Assessment, and it's really supposed to get after a, a deep dive on how, how DISA spends its dollars and, and also uh, where it has its positions uh, billeted. And, and, and that's according to DISA Director Lieutenant General Robert Skinner. He said that he wants to make sure that the resources DISA has are aligned to its strategic priorities. Um, and, and that's especially in light of the fact that defense budgets and DISA's budget is probably not going to increase too much in the coming years as, you know, the government looks, looks sorry, as Congress and, and the federal government spend more on, you know, domestic spending and, and things at a higher level. So this is really looking to potentially trim fat from the budget here and, and corral some of their programs that maybe have uh, gone a little bit further than they originally anticipated. Here's what General Skinner said about pilot programs that maybe have gotten a little out of scope. Every time something is asked for, let's do a pilot, right? And we'll get a pilot out there. The warfighter loves it. The mission partner loves it. And it never gets turned off. Nor was it properly tested nor was it properly understood exactly how it is going to be used. And so as we look at these things, great initiatives, but have we done the due diligence to make sure that it can expand, uh, that it has the right capacity, and that the right resources have been aligned? Lieutenant General Robert Skinner, the director of, of DISA, talking about this budget review that I'm discussing with uh, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And, and Justin, I, I feel like a lot of times we hear that an, an agency has initiated some kind of budget review, but we never necessarily hear about the results. Do we know if we actually will on this one or and, and when? Yeah, but it's going to take some time. Uh, you know, General Skinner said that this will have the biggest effect on DISA's fiscal year 2024 budget request. So the Pentagon right now is is putting together its 2023 budget request to be released uh, next spring. And so the 2024 budget doesn't come into play until uh, for about two years. So so in reality, we might not see the outcome of this big review for, for another couple of years here. Uh, he did say that there are certain things that DISA will not be able to wait on, and they're going to work with department leadership and Congress to make sure that they can start funding some of those higher priority things that come out of the review that they can't just wait for two years to, to fund. And, and what are some of those higher priorities? We heard that they want to kill off some of the, the pilots that have been allowed to bloom out, though, out there over the years. But what are their affirmative priorities for, for what they want to keep through this review process? Yeah, well, well, one of the big ones, uh, you know, people won't be surprised to hear is, is zero trust and, and, and security. And, and so DISA has this new uh, prototyping project called uh, Thunderdome is something uh, folks should recognize, should remember it because uh, DISA is going to be uh, talking about it a lot in, in the coming uh, months and potentially years, depending on how it turns out. And it's, it's a prototyping project to get after zero trust uh, security, which is uh, part of a broader shift that's happening across the federal government 
not just at the Defense Department, to really instill some of these new principles of, you know, putting security categories around data instead of necessarily just relying on passwords and, and you know, tracking uh, personnel and how they're accessing data. And, and it's supposed to make data more accessible for people who are supposed to be looking at it, and but less accessible for people who aren't. And so here's Steve Wallace. He's a chief technology officer at DISA describing how Thunderdome kind of shifts that security conversation. Rather than trying to sit at a network level between the user and the data that they're trying to access, the idea behind Thunderdome is to move those protections towards the edge, but then also start to take into account other factors that are occurring with that user's interaction. So it's not just that I presented a valid credential, I presented my common access card. It's also, am I coming from a trusted machine? Has this machine checked in recently? Are are you coming from an area of the globe that geographically you should be? Or even did we see your session move, right, in a way that wouldn't be physically possible? And again, that's Steve Wallace, the Chief Technology Officer at the Defense Information Systems Agency, talking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And, and Justin, I know there was also some talk from DISA last week on the cybersecurity front on investing in automated cybersecurity. What's going on there? Right. Well, well, officials say that you know defense networks are seeing more cyber attacks than they ever have before as cybersecurity threats, you know, this year in general, just think about ransomware, you know, everyone across the world is is seeing a lot more uh, cyber attacks than, than they ever have before. And so what DISA wants to do is to automate uh, some of the attacks that are easier to, to, to catch, you know, things that are exploits that are, are known that are out there. Um, in the wild so that they can uh, turn their analysts toward more higher priority things that they, they need to use, you know, their their, their uh, intelligence to, to actually focus on instead of things that might be a little bit easier to catch for a machine. Here's Brian Herman, Director of Cybersecurity Analytics at DISA. Threat has continued to increase, and the reality is that we can't continue to do the things that we've done for years in the same way and, and be secure. And so what we're focused on is, is automation and AI and, and tools like that so that we can relieve the pressure on the analysts and get the high priority things in front of them very quickly and deal with the, the known issues, the challenges that, that come up all the time in a very automated way. That's Brian Herman, Director for Cybersecurity Analytics at DISA. And, and I should also note that DISA has uh, just established a chief data officer position uh, to help uh, drive this move towards uh, and uh, automation, excuse me, and, and artificial intelligence. Obviously, you need data to, to really power those types of applications. It's uh, only about seven, only about uh, 20 people right now, but officials said that they're looking to grow that office and, and really put it in the center of everything that DISA is doing going forward. All right. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jared. And you can find out more by reading Justin's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. 
Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and... Um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, WAPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Looking for holiday gifts for less? Come to Ross and say yeah to making your dollar stretch on name brand toys, clothes, and gifts. Get the gift of savings this holiday from Ross. 
Yes for less. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.